Hello and welcome to another Chips Class episode. And as of this week, you can also listen to us as a podcast. It's available across all streaming services. And um, just a quick story. Actually, since I was a little kid, my mom always told me that I have the perfect face for a radio show. So now it's uh, materializing. Uh, luckily, in this world, <laughs> we have with us today people who are uh, way more fortunate in this regard, starting with Louisa Woods, who is heading the marketing activities uh, for Delaware North's global gaming operations across retail and digital. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Super. Any cyber hacking issues in your side of the country or is it a Vegas thing? I, it seems to be a Vegas thing for now. I, you know, we never know. Let's all not put. Is that insulting that you're not being cyber hacked or? <laughs> I consider myself extremely, I consider us extremely fortunate and hope that the insult, uh, should it be one, continues forward from here. Good. I'm happy to hear that. Uh, and also with us, Gali Hartuv, uh, Director of Monetization with High Five Games and the man behind Gali's Guide. The weekly newsletter for everything that is casino and gambling VIP. Uh, good morning in Costa Rica. Good morning. Uh, do you care to share with the audience the meaning of your last name in Hebrew? Hartov translates two parts, Har, meaning mountain, and Tov being good. So I am the good mountain. Yeah, you're the pile of good stuff. That's it. <laughs> Okay. That's one way to put it. <laughs> hey, whenever I, I read his name, I'm just this is amusing. This amuses me. Uh, and last in is, a good way. <laughs> last is the Lali, as we call her internally, uh, hybrid interaction zone head of marketing, and soon to be a PhD in hospitality from University of South Carolina. I hope uh, you've cleared this off time with your boss. Yeah. I know actually he has no idea I'm here. Uh, that that's the way. That that's being a good role good role model to your exactly. department. Yeah. So guys, uh, let's begin. Uh, G2E is around the corner. Let's talk about uh, the number one moneymaker uh, technique in gaming um, off online, it's player development um, or VIP management. Um, an interesting fact is that the first ever loyalty programs in US gambling history uh, come originally from New Jersey and not from Nevada uh, due to the fact that uh, they had to uh, fight for uh, retention um, in New Jersey. Uh, they have the promenade in Atlantic City connecting between all the casinos and people could just walk uh, in and out or out of uh, in and out of casinos. Uh, while back then in Vegas, prior to the strip era, uh, when you got to a resort, you just stayed there. But there was a desert around you, so the retention, uh, like all CRM people would love to have that kind of a retention uh, tool in their arsenal. Um, water. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Uh, considering this, and uh, as I told you in advance, this is a therapy session. Uh, let's begin with something personal. Let's talk about uh, you guys and your past. Uh, can you share any um, such an experience um, that relates to our topic from your career? Have you ever engaged in 
frontal interaction with players and you know with an objective to increase uh, their activity with your operation um you, you all come from different uh, let's call it um, uh, schools in this regard um who wants to begin I'm, I'm going to jump in if I okay. can. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, Louisa. <laughs> I loved what you were talking about. I spent, you know, I when I first uh, got to work in online gaming here in the United States, it was in Atlantic City. I was on one of those boardwalk casinos. And, you know, getting that team to bridge the gap between land-based to online was my number one priority when I arrived at that property. And I love you describing, you know, the ease of transition from property to property, because the thing I used to always tell my team is, you know, when we're serving our online customers, it needs to be as easy as strolling in off the boardwalk. You know, we're in the entertainment game and, you know, and and during summer lights, it's so nice outside. I mean, how can you keep a person inside? Exactly, exactly. And particularly if we are, you know, making them thumb type on a tiny little screen, if we're making them jump through hurdles and send in documentation and spend time on phone with technical support, you know, and all of these things that were the hallmark of the early days, and particularly for VIPs, because we've got all of these uh, kind of volume controls, deposit controls. You know, you could walk into a casino and, you know, and spend what you want to spend. And it's simply not the same online. So trying to recreate that experience in every way that we can, you know, was always a focus. And also trying to figure out those people who are our VIPs online, are they interested in coming to the property? That was the other piece because because my commitment to my team was this is not just additive to the company. This is going to be additive to your business because if I wanted them supporting me, I had to support them or I was dead in the water. It's so funny that, um, in, I mean, coming from digital, we track everything. We we know the numbers of her, nostril hairs they have, okay? Everything we they, they do. So, Yet we need to meet KYC and AML and all kinds of uh, source of funds, everything. As you said, you can step into a casino and you can gamble yourself to death. And and it's like nobody, because they think that uh, from the regulatory point of view, if there's somebody next to you, then he will, um, he will pay attention to your play and be able to stop and monitor this the excessive gambling which I yeah. wish it was the case, but yes, again. Yeah, you, people are heavily, heavily monitored in the retail environment as well, right? But okay. you're absolutely right. It is, you know, there is a history of of, uh, of uncarded play. You know, there is a, a an environment of, and there is an audience that is for superstitious reasons or, mm -hmm. you know, or for whatever privacy reasons, not interested in engaging with a loyalty program. And it doesn't matter how much we're reinvesting in them. No, thank you. They're not interested, right? That, so that getting to that perfect over. data set. Sorry. I was going to say, that spills over into online. That's not isolated to sure. just retail. I mean, as Shaka was saying, you know, we monitor everything. We have every point of indication on who a player is, what they like, what they want. You know, 
couple in AI technology, which is the latest innovation in like observing players with proactive intervention and predictive analysis, you know, this is where the industry is headed now. This is where VIP is heading, but it doesn't really change the fact that you can know everything about a player, their spending, playing, gaming preferences, whatever it is. Uh, it's not going to guarantee that you're going to get them into your loyalty program. A lot of players that you find online, um, you know, these successful business people, uh, you know, people with a lot of money, they, they want to get away. They don't want the attention. They don't want the spotlight. They, they're hounded every day from banks and insurances and credit card companies and whatever else, you know, gunning for that service and, and business. So true. So, so true. And, and, you know, and, yeah. Uh, so the hospitality perspective, though, is like totally upside down, right? Everyone yeah. wants to be part of loyalty because why not? Um, so I'll start with the like similarity, right? So we, Char mentioned school. So that is something that everyone, whoever touches hospitality, any uh, sense is taught is that it's art of building emotional connections. And that is true regardless. If you have customers, that's what you're trying to do to get them emotionally connected one way or another. Now, similarly to you collect data in hospitality as well, but then our data is about what kind of firmness of your pillow should be or what kind of drink you're, uh, you prefer when you're flying with us. And this kind of preference is not your pattern of visiting a hotel or flying, right? Now, difference is, though, that um, because gambling still has a negative connotation to it, it Casinos cannot rely that VIPs will be sharing and like bragging what kind of uh, gifts and and um, uh, emotional connection they have with the uh, with their casinos they're playing with, right? Usually that is something hidden, not that openly discussed. Unlike from hospitality, everyone talks about what a great uh, point system these uh, airlines have, or like what a great experience this hotel offered them, or like posts about it. So word of mouth is a, is a big thing in um in hospitality, and we're trying to lean towards it. But it's then, uh, I, was, I was just going to say that one thing, which is that word of mouth actually is a big thing with the highest end of land based <laughs> gaming players amongst their people. Right? Yes. It's about that niche audience. Yes. This is why you try to target the refer a friend program at your top players, the based on the belief that you know high rollers speak with higher other high rollers. So they yeah. And yeah, they're looking very... they're looking for that dialogue within their community, is what we see. Yeah. And uh, so I think the very um good distinction will be when we're talking about the VAPs and the high rollers in uh, casinos, we're looking at it from a PLV, like player lifetime values, right? Well, while in uh, hospitality, when we are offering uh, customer um, like referral programs, uh, we're thinking about the cost cost reduction per new customer. We don't we don't think about like how much they will bring. We think how much that will reduce our acquisition cost, right? And um, then um, because it's so like 
talked about and so shared. There is nothing that is hidden, like even the frontline workers. We don't have VIP managers in hospitality, right? So um, in uh, the frontline workers are the ones who send those VIPs to these different uh, experiences. So everyone knows about it. So um, if like one day all loyalty programs in hospitality tourism disappeared i think the, the industry itself from uh, the revenue perspective would be better off <laughs> because everyone has it and it's not something that gives you this uniqueness because you have these unique things but then it will be uh, copied like the next day and so it's kind of must have rather than addition um, and something new and uh, something um, different that uh, distinguishes you from other brands. While in gambling, there there are things that we see on web pages of, of uh, the online casinos, but then there are things that we don't see uh, that is not really discussed and only is possible to know if you are that high roller who might be targeted, right? So I think that's a very... Um, that's that's a distinction between those two. And that even yeah. goes to the extent where there are VIPs who, you know, specifically they want to they want to keep such a low profile that, you know, they're entitled to that black diamond or seven star card and they say no thank you. Please print me a bottom tier card that I can use when I go to the machine. But you also have that spilling over on online where you have players that don't want the relationship but they want to be acknowledged. So you get these silent relationships that form where, okay, I know you don't want to talk to me. I know you don't want to know who I am. I want to know who you are, but you don't want to share. And then it's a case of, but it's okay. I will look after you and will never talk. And it's a case of monitoring their performance, monitoring what they're doing, you know, obviously adding uh, rewards and some kind of bonus structure or something, but there's no engagement, which is, it's kind of contradictory to everything VIP stands for, but you know, at the end of the day, that's how you retain those players. Leave them alone, give them that little taste of we still appreciate you, but give them what they want. Um, on the other side, you have the VIPs that want to be showered with gifts and they want to be acknowledged, and in some cases to the point of abusing loyalty, uh, which I'm sure we've all experienced. Um, and you know. Lali, you, you talked about, you know, unique selling points and our loyalty today to differentiate uh, as uniqueness. I mean, there's no uniqueness in loyalty. Like everyone's doing something. Everyone's giving gifts. Everyone's sending something for someone's birthday. Um, but that's where personalization and the relationship aspect comes into it. You know, we, we know in online that you can't have one size fits all models. It doesn't work. Um, we know that automating a process in part, sure, it has a place, but you can't automate the human factor. Um, so, I mean, there, there's a lot of things that spill over, but the premise of VIP at the end of the day, just focus on the P, it's people. Um, and that, that's the whole premise of what we're trying to build. Like, yes, it's difficult to stand out. The markets become incredibly competitive and saturated, uh, but it's the people factor that's going to sell you compared to your, your competitors. You know, how do you look after your VIPs? How do you get to engage with them? What do you do that goes beyond just monetary? Uh, and that, that I think is where the industry needs to work on it a bit more. You know, we, we've moved out of that phase of just shower them with money. It's no longer sustainable with the rising acquisition costs and 
you know, overheads and all of that. So you can't throw money at a VIP and expect magic to happen. But no, it's interesting it's not- to contemplate whether we're heading into a post-people phase when you think about the impacts of AI and natural language processing and virtual friends that you can subscribe to on a monthly basis online who who simulate the development of a relationship, right? But what is the, the future of human relationships? And, and, and that's that's why I think that any, uh, at least online casino um, CEO, when he's she steps into the office, they need to go to the uh, VAP room and say, thank you. Thank you for for what you do, because by the end of the day, it's exactly uh, what Dali said. Uh, and, and Lali, you've mentioned BTL marketing. So you could have BTL budget. Okay, So showering gifts is, yes, it's, it's not endless, but it's still, it's okay. I mean, you can have enough budget dedicated to... Uh, to uh, pamper VIPs that is outside of the regular um, budget that that should be splitted evenly across everybody. But still, by the end of the day, it's the human relations and AI is not at that point that they can mimic that because um, when you meet with them in, in person, when you meet at least with online casino VIPs and, and you know, even they, they will answer the very straightforward question of, you know that you're a VAP because, because you gamble a lot and that means that you know that your profit is very low. Uh, so, I, I mean, why us, okay? And there was it, because you guys have the best agents. You guys are the, uh, um, you treat me, you know, you actually know me. So when that happens, it, the, the, the money is, is becoming secondary. And that's, that, that's uh, that's amazing, uh, and which is also an excellent segue to the next topic, um, which is how can the industry bridge the gap between bricks and mortar or retail and digital channels? Um, because um, th- there's also a lot of internal politics issue over here where the, uh, the guys who have been used to treat their VIPs in person for years, if not decades, Suddenly, somebody comes over and take their VIPs away from them and give them an option to play with their iPhone, and now they don't visit as much as and their commission drops. So, um, what what techniques have you seen, or what suggestions can you discuss about how to 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 optimize that uh, aspect? I mean, I yeah. think first of all, when you talk about taking customers away from a retail based. PD staff member, you know, there is no reason that we cannot integrate those functions. In theory. We cannot extend and help them grow their their base, their responsibilities and their opportunities, both to grow that new line of business and and to bridge bringing those people into the properties for those operators that are that have a foot in each world. That, that's already being done, though. I yeah. mean, if you if you take like Caesars as a good example, Caesars has a omni-channel rewards program. But that's um, the program. Then there's the people who have those relationships, right? And yeah. they tend to be online VIP and land-based VIP, and you know, bringing those teams together. It's not just the mechanics and the math of the program, right? It's it again the people. people. Yeah. It's again the people, yeah, but it's, uh, from the operator side. 
Yeah, yeah it's um, so from my experience, the problem is convincing land based casino managers that we are not taking anything away from you. And that can be done in a lot of different ways, right? So if their commission is actually uh, based on it, then that should be changed. If if it's just a mindset, then that should be addressed and changed. So yes, the problem is one that there, we need to bridge the gap, but then causes of the problem can be a lot, lot of different things and that all each of them need a different uh, strategy to address. Now, other than uh, manager side um, and the retail and the, the casino operator side, there is also social aspect, right? Some people might just want to come to a casino because of those talks that they have at the tables, like someone that are sitting next to them. And then like you're sharing a drink with a total stranger that's brought to you for free. Maybe that is something that they want. So how can we bridge that? If we want to take that um, um, experience, in, experience into online, maybe that's where the AI can come in and help, right? Maybe we can have uh, the opposite. You can come into the, um, the physical casino and have online experience while still get some kind of uh, mixture of both, right? So it depends on what is that. it. We see that in physical casinos, you know, people coming with their mobile phone or their laptop because they want to enjoy dining. They want to enjoy being treated by their host. They want to stay in the hotel, but they're sitting up in their hotel room with their laptop. And that is where they play. They're not sitting down on the casino floor. And we see that all the time. Yeah, but also look at it, how land-based casino was taken to online and look at it in reverse with the, you know, the deployments and popularity of live dealer growing more and more now you don't just have studio games being the focal point you have cameras set up in casinos on tables watching other people play and you're a part of the action but you're behind the screen so live dealer is another example of it in reverse where land base came to online and i love the hybrid model where it's right out there in the middle of the floor yes absolutely you know, and I mean, that's something that we're seeing across the U.S. becoming more and more popular. I mean, there's a lot more live dealer studios growing and like becoming available across U.S. Europe, we know it's been around forever, but that popularity, I think, is only going to grow from here. Interesting question. We haven't discussed this in advance, but um, um, is there a difference between U.S. player development and European one? Well, if you on, on my more. on my side, having worked both markets, um, I would say yes. Firstly, that there's a component of spending power. So you know, American VIPs compared to European VIPs are very different. Regulation makes VIP in US compared to a lot of heavily regulated jurisdictions in Europe. It's far easier, in my opinion to build out VIP in the US than say heavily regulated territories like UK, you know, or Italy or Sweden or any of those other territories where VIP is practically dying um, or going gray. Um, and so, yeah, there, there's a big difference in it. The, the application and the strategies and how we engage and how we want to maintain those relationships and, you know, develop VIP player bases, that's still very similar, but 
the actual demographic and regulation environment, like that's completely different in my opinion. I think the expectations they bring to online are somewhat different in the U.S. as well, because there was such a well-developed land-based player development function and loyalty mechanic and programming that when they come to online, they expect all of that stuff to transfer. You know, historically, the way that we reward the kinds of play requirements, the kinds of tracking that we do online, the the levels of reinvestment are very different. But, you know, in the U.S., established VIPs are showing up with a set of expectations and and moving to meet them there. You know, those those operators who can do that see, I think, tremendous success in the VIP sector. I think there's going one to be more... Sorry, go for it, Lali. Uh, one more thing that I want to mention, right? So when we were expecting different states to um, open up for online uh, sports betting, right, before regulations were in place, a lot of uh, social gaming started to, like, train customers before uh, actual money gambling would start, right? Uh, I think U.S. market has been trained on loyalty programs pretty well uh, based on the all the loyalties from hotels and airlines and everything has a loyalty here, right? Like every step you are, uh, you are part of a loyalty program of something or a lot of things at the same time. So U.S., uh, in addition to being trained to be a VIP for land-based casinos, the general population is also very familiar how loyalties work and what are, what are the things that they can expect. The not only VIPs, but the, the regular everyday players also come in with some set of expectations as well. I think the consolidation of loyalty in the U.S. is a really interesting trend as well. I mean, you see these announcements between MGM and Marriott. You see all of these, you know, these these tier matching partnerships, this, this rush to achieve critical mass with your loyalty platform. Yeah, and, and it's still, it still amazes me to see how the... The, the in those places where they haven't shared the the, the program yet across the channels, how the the it's it's so much easier to gain your highest public status uh, coming from retail while um, sorry uh, coming uh, playing online versus uh, retail in which you need to have several visits in order to to gain that kind of uh, uh, wagering. Uh, um, uh, let's call it uh, to meet that uh, wagering uh, threshold. You can do it in a single evening um, playing on your mobile. Uh, but yes, it's um, uh, that it's, it. I, I do agree that what potentially one of the the, the, the main differences are uh, uh, regulatory uh, aspects. In the US, everything is nearly uh, okay uh, because uh, because of the second reason, which is the market has been used to it, trained to it, and this was a phenomena before um, everybody ever learned how to spell iGaming. So, um, so I still haven't learned how to spell iGaming. Is it a capital G? Is it a small g? It's, uh, uh, yeah, uh, it, it, it's tricky, uh, but I have a tutorial. Um, uh, <laughs> 
I think, um, I think uh, also the, the, in England they call it e-gaming e rather than mm -hmm. i-gaming because they have to be different. Um, yes, uh, we are running out of time. Let's move quickly to the concluding uh, bit, which is um, uh, we all have heard uh, crazy stories about super VIPs and how uh, luxuriously they are being treated. Um, can you fit into a 140 characters tweet the following sentence and complete it with your own story? The wildest VIP story I know is, and I'll begin, the wildest VIP story I know is gathering the casino club VIPs to design a new roulette version the way they want it. So they've actually took their top players, put them together in a nice hotel in Malta and said, you all play roulette, design a new one. Um, and that was a hit. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, the wildest VIP story I've heard of is an ex-poker star supernova buying a Ferrari with their loyalty shop reward points. That that's a nice that's a nice nice day at the office. I I, I I'll give you that. Um, <laughs> I made my story more personal. Um, the wildest VIP story I know is when a VIP flew me to a different city to tell me about a multi-million dollar job that they accepted and to ask for a deposit match in person. <laughs> so that, that was a fun day. Uh, what did you say? How much do you want to deposit? <laughs> <laughs> there's no other there's no other reply in the book like, <laughs> there, there's nothing, I mean, go to page 117 that's what you have I got this cryptic call in the middle of the night come see me tomorrow afternoon for lunch I need to tell you something I'm like oh, you live like three hours away like by plane what could you possibly want to tell me no I'll see you tomorrow I hung up the phone next thing I'm on a plane and meet him for lunch and he tells me about this amazing opportunity and job that he got guaranteed X amount of money. And he's like, I want to make a deposit. How much can you give me? I was like, I can't believe I flew this way just for this. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> it sounds like a beginning of uh, some thriller movie. It was, it was a great, it was a great experience. I must say. That could have gone sideways in so many ways. <laughs> yeah. I actually need a kidney. So um, yeah. you're the donor. <laughs> <laughs> Before moving to Louise, I just have to ask you, Gary, how, how does it feel to, to function as a bonus engine? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think rule number one, don't take it personally. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. uh, Louisa? You know, I, I would have to say that the wildest uh, VIP stories that I hear are never to be repeated by me in any, <laughs> okay, in so any public forum. Over drinks one day. I see. So um, as much as you want, you're still under NDA. I respect that. Um, <laughs> guys, this has been a true ple pleasure. Thank you so much for your time and thank you for sharing your insights. Um, see you in person at the conference. Just a see couple of weeks. Bye, everyone. Let's have those, uh, those cocktails and stories. <laughs> Now you're all definitely going to want to buy me a drink, right? Yeah. <laughs>